0: This episode of Burrito's Breaks and Flies is brought to you by Oxner Insurance. You know, you spend a lot of time prepping to hit the water to chase that trophy fish, making sure you're rigged up and you have all the gear that you need to make your expedition both safe and fun. But how do you protect yourself and your family from the unforeseen accidents that can occur on the way to and from your journey? Oxner Insurance provides auto, home and life plans. That'll give you and your family secure peace of mind. So give Jeremy a call today at seven seven five six five seven. 6050 and rest easy on your fishing voyage. That's Oxner Insurance, putting shields of protection around your assets. Chef Anthony Bourdain once said, some people must live in great spaces, where the sky goes on forever, where everyone must bend to the land, where to hunt, fish, and sleep underneath that big sky aren't just activities, but a way of life. This holds true for today's guest, Dennis Isbister. So sit back and enjoy this conversation we have with a true Jedi of the fishing world. All right, and welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And today, today I believe we're going to change podcast history. And why is that? Because we have a completely awesome guest. You know, m- most podcasts are like taking a trip to Bed Bath & Beyond. You know what you're going to expect. and It's not too thrilling when you get out of there. But this podcast, this podcast is going to be like going to your favorite fly shop with a company credit card. I don't advise that, but it's exciting. So right now we're going to roll out the red carpet to our special guest, Dennis Isbister. You might know him best probably from his show, Wild Fish, Wild Places. And uh, he's got a lot more background than that. So we're super excited to have him today. Thanks for joining us, Dennis.
1: <laughs> bed, bath, and beyond, baby. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been referred to as a bed, bath, and beyond client, but yeah, or past it. Uh, Thanks for having me. Super excited and uh, excited to talk to you guys about burritos and fishing.
2: Yeah, totally. What could be better? <laughs> they go hand in hand. So just to kind of start off, we want to know, who's the real Dennis? Tell us about yourself. Uh,
1: the real Dennis, and, and this is one of the things that people that actually get to spend time with me that have not known me before the TV show, this is a lot. like A lot of the, the comments that I get, Whole, you know. <laughs> holy crap, like you're as crazy diehard as you are on the show. You are the guy that we see on the show. And I think that's been part of the success of what I've done. I've been doing this for 12 years. And I really do love the outdoors more than most. Mm -hmm. I'm so passionate about hunting and fishing both. Um, You know, when we started talking on this podcast, you could see, you know, ducks hanging on the wall in my office and, and the real Dennis is Mr is basically who you see on the TV show i love the fish i love to chase big fish any fish it doesn't matter i come home from a 10 day trip 15 day trip in south america i literally have packed up myself and went to pyramid the next day <laughs> like, oh nice i mean it's just uh, it's just what i do and that's that's really the the real dennis is mister and 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 sharing that passion with that other people is what I love to do. And that, you know, hence the TV show. And um, on my YouTube channel, I have a lot of how-to stuff that is all genuine. And, and I see people, you know, out of pyramid especially, and they're struggling. And, and I give, give them lures and tell them how to catch fish um, and that kind of stuff. So I, I love to help people. I love to be outdoors. I love to see other people successful as well.
0: That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And you know what? We, we noticed that you kind of have this, this even mix between you're, you're both a spin caster and and a fly fisherman. We're curious. I think Ben wanted to talk about this too, about how you kind of, kind of, how do you balance that out? You know, or, or do you have a favorite or like what, what, why the both?
1: Um, And see, I grew up doing both. You know, I started fly fishing when I was eight years old Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what worked. Uh, You know, fly fishing was a thing. And I think, recent history, you know, that, that long ago, it was different. The recent history, it's become this, somehow this, uh, this hard line that fly fishermen draw, <laughs> you know, about like, we're a pure, we're pure, we're better than spin fishermen because it's harder or because it's more technical or or whatever the case may be. And I think it's complete bullshit is what I think. <laughs> okay. I, and I hate it because th- I love to fly fish as much as anybody else, but there is equally as much talent and as much science and as much skill that goes into running proper gear, you know, for big trout or salmon or whatever. Um, Fly fishing is super technical and I love that part about it. And so a lot of the, and this is what we talk about on my show all the time. If you're a really good, conventional fishermen it transfers over to being a really good fly fisherman and vice versa Correct. Right. if you know where those fish are at certain you know all times of the year and what they're eating if you know the more you know about the fish the better fisherman you're going to be and i you know i put i put that out there a lot to people like you should try other ways of fishing because it's i mean running a, a slip bobber rig um and a jig you know there's just so many different ways to catch fish right and they're all equally as technical um and as technical as you want to make them right you know a lot of people that i fish with at pyramid they say oh yeah well i guess i'll go trolling i'll go out in in the boat with you and go trolling and you know, it'll be nice to relax and, you know, have a beer or whatever. Like, <laughs> you never you never fish with me if you think you're going to relax. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. Know? Sure. I mean, you're always moving and jumping around and changing things because it's that technical to me. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be. But anyway, that's, that's my feeling on it. And, and I love fly fishing as much. And I've fly fished for years and years. And, you yeah, know, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Like, I think how I- do
2: you decide between the two? Um, let's see.
1: It'll be for me, how I decide, um, is just kind of where I'm at and, and what's happening. Uh, if I'm at pyramid, say, you know, in my backyard, I'm going to go run my boat. I'm gonna, and not to say I'm not going to fly fish out of my boat, but I'm going to be in my boat as long as the weather's conducive to being in my boat. And more than likely I'm going to be running gear or running a jig rod. Um, I like throwing big jigs up in the shallows, you know, swim, swimming them out. Um, and that kind of stuff. With that being said, in March, those big fish really turn to mids and start eating midges and stuff like that. It can be really effective, you know, in that time period too to switch to fly rods. If I'm in Alaska and the big rainbows and char are eating beads, I'm going to bead fish, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's just the way it is. Silvers are eating spinners. I'm going to throw spinners at them.
0: So what you're getting is, is basically, and I, I grew up spin fishing, and mm-hmm. I spun fish for years up until I got to a breaking point where it was like, I need to adapt a different style of fishing yeah. because, like, I'm spooking these fish. You know, or these fish are eating off the top water, and, you know, I'm not catching them, and I broke into that, and I, I found a pure, pure passion and love for the fly fishing. And I, I think the only time I touch a spin rod is if I take my son out yeah. or something, you know, And but I, but I see where you can get that you yeah, have that broader range of knowledge and even ben could add to this because even though he wasn't a fly fisherman before he's brought his surfing knowledge on how to read water yes and, he, and i brought him up on the Truckee river and he he's like he can understand the currents he understands what's happening in the water so he he would you know in his beginning he would give me feedback of what he thought his fly was doing in the water and where he should put it
1: you that's know, what makes, like wow that's what makes you a good fisherman Mm-hmm. when you're when you want to know and you are starting to dissect even if it's wrong sometimes but some of the best fishermen I fish with are super OCD about that you know I think this is what you know so my lure is doing this and the fish is coming up and they're doing this and I think they're actually swimming at it and that's why you see your I mean when you start looking at it at that level and it seems like uh, Ben you already have you know if you're already looking in that that water knowing what the hydraulics are doing to your fly, I mean, that's what makes you a better fisherman at some point. Word of
0: the day, hydraulics. I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. What a word. True beauty. Did I say hydraulics or hydroponics? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I do know a lot of people in that industry. Yeah. Uh, the, salt, the salt, water, or the natural pool—I see those, and I'm just like, hey,
1: that's pretty cool. Yeah, and and the other, the other part of that last question that you asked me too is that there's a lot of people that get to be you know my age and, and older or whatever, where the only way they want to fish is catch them on a fly, and then they you know, they get to a point too, like when I fly fish, I really love running indicators. It's my
3: favorite
1: other than catching them on the surface, which doesn't happen very often, but I love the indicator fish because of what you, you know, kind of know where they're at. It's a little bit more, you know, I, I sink my, I sink my fly down with a pair of mitten clamps Mm. and measure it, make sure I'm like six inches off the bottom, you know, and when you see that bobber go under, it just adds that visual aspect, set the hook and, so as you get older too, you also decide, well, I don't really care if I catch a fish. I just want to catch them on my terms, right? Correct. I want to catch a fish like right. this. Because when we start and we're younger, we just want to catch fish. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now I want to catch big fish. Now I want to catch them like this. And now I want to catch them like this. And I think that's, you know, when you get to that point, well, shit, of course, that, you know, however you want to do it, it's fine, you know. But the guys that get to that point, they're not the ones that look down their nose at pe- other people that aren't fly fishing. Right. Right. So. Well, like, like
0: Ben here has progressed rapidly in that aspect where you yeah, have man, look at his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, he, he would, he would have constantly, you we know, don't want to make trips to the river and I get it. But then he discovered his local uh and we'll leave it unnamed but his local um, golf course pond uh, going out there, with the fly rod and just figuring things out and, and ripping out bass. Yeah. Like, and that's, and yeah. sometimes that's considered that's, that's a sin. That's, that's next to uh, like a, a Pierce fly fisherman tying on a San Juan worm or bragging uh, about it. I've made that, I've done that a few times, gone to local fly shops. What are you nailing them on? I'm like, nothing but San Juans. And you, they put their nose up and go, like, well, no, you have to use you know, this midge or whatever. And I'm like, dude, care, cares what you're using? Do put a cigarette
1: butt on there uh, if it works, you know? I'm with but, you.
0: Yeah. And that's where the <laughs>
1: attitude comes in. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. And dude, and by the way, Ripping bass off of a golf course pond is badass. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. That's so rad. I love bass. I,
2: I walked down there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, it was two weekends ago. And I was all excited. My son, uh, he's my youngest son's 11. And he had told me the night before, he's like, no, I, I saw ducks on there. It's not frozen. So I went down there in the morning. It was a solid sheet of ice. I had to do the walk of shame back up.
1: (laughs) Oh, I've been there when I was a kid. They got to be biting. There used to be bass in here. Have dad drop us off with our flow tube, solid sheet of ice. (laughs) Now we got to sit there and wait for dad to come pick us up in eight hours.
2: Really great. Yeah, yeah, in the old days. That's great. Uh, So, yeah, I. Miko and I love all the different places that you get to go. Uh, what are some of your favorites that you've traveled in all of your episodes? Oh man, there's so many good
1: places. Um, I love the real adventure, South America stuff. Um, you know, we've done some peacock bass fishing in the headwaters of the Amazon, the Colombian jungle. You know, flying out to border towns. You know, out like uh, Venezuelan border and three hours in on a boat to this little reservation, you know, sleeping in Dora the Explorer camp, you know, setups on the freaking bank, uh-huh. you know, you know, fish, literally fishing out of canoes made out of a tree, you know, the guy's wow. got a, a, The you can tell, you know, we, about, those are awesome. We did Columbia vampire fish, which you can see the, oh, yeah. you know, vampire fish, um, you know, same deal, hollowed out canoes, um, you know, cruising up the river and you just you see this giant 300 foot cliff, you know, bank on each side and you could hear these piara just running baitfish up on the up in the shallows. just the noise of it, catching them on top. Oh, wow. In fact, there's a lure hanging on my wall right there. It's got a got piara teeth in it. You can take out and it made it back. Wow. It Broke off, but yeah, the South American stuff, Jurassic Lake is course of course always mm. The giant one. I mean, Jurassic Lake is amazing. Um, you know, and then all the North stuff, you know, Alaska, I mean, there's, it's hard to pick a favorite, you know, there's just so many good places. So there. This,
0: this brings up a key question. So how many stamps do you have in your passport?
1: <laughs> I actually kept my old passport because it had my uh, Brazilian visa and all the cool stamps. It was just, it was just booked out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was thinking about that last yeah. night. I'm like, dude, like, does he have to like get a new one? Like, every other year or something like it's like not last year (laughs) (laughs) right not last year
1: yeah
0: Yeah. last year (laughs) um you know i think i think we kind of want to maybe talk a little bit about the locality here it sounds like i mean you grew up in fallon
1: yep born and raised so
0: that sounds like pyramid was in your backyard yeah you know and that's a favorite topic it's a world destination you know you got tons of anglers out there like you favor the boat angling. I'm a different, I mean, I'm, I'm the beach, yeah. you know, ladder shoreline guy, you know, not opposed to any other method out there. I've, I've been out there with another buddy of mine, Jeff, who he'll get, he'll get frustrated with the fly fishing and be like, dude, they're rising like 20, 30 feet beyond where we get our fly rigs, and he'll whip without a spoon and Smash yeah, yeah, try to huck it across the school and you know, yank something. So, <laughs> you know, I admire that kind of flexibility, but you know, what, it kind of tell us like, how, how did you get into pyramid or you know what 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 attracts you to it? what makes it
1: so great for you oh man well the, i fished it yesterday and what makes it so exciting like right now like this year especially is the fish are just so freaking big yeah and that's what everybody's <laughs> been excited about when i was a kid the fishery was okay at best you know it was just something you did in the winter until everything else opened up um you know Going back in history, you know, Endow ran the lake for a long time and mm-hmm. it went extinct. And they tried putting lots of fish in there to see what it would take, because it's a high alkaline lake. You know, it's caustic. There's inflow but no outflow, which mm-hmm. means the only way you lose uh, water is evaporation, which makes it high alkaline, which there's only a handful of fish that can really live in that environment. Yeah, high pH, high alkaline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so years ago, they had cut bows that did really well, that and that was about it. And then the tribe took it back mm-hmm. and they wanted to be all native. And so they had summit. They put the summit lake strain back yeah. in the lake and that was all they had. And the, the foods, I don't know if the food source wasn't good or whatever it was, but the fishing was, you know, you could still catch 30 or 40, 50 fish trolling, but they were 18 to 19 inch, all of them. You know, if you caught got a five pounder when I was in my twenties, you know, that was something to brag about. You posted pictures. I mean, I don't know that I ever you know I I, I I was fortunate enough to grow up fishing out there with my uncle and my grandpa that showed me the lake and you know he he really fished a lot so i had a lot of knowledge handed down to me okay um and we we i had seen some big fish when i was a kid I never caught them but see, you know we'd see those big 10 12 pounders once in a while which were just amazing and you know uh, 12 years ago or so they introduced the pilots in there um, and i think it's kind of a toss up whether it's just the pilot peak strain because the summits are doing so well also, or whether it's forage based, you know, and uh, Mike Savon and I have talked about that. Um, maybe it's just that we've had great each chub forage over the last 10 years and they decided then they were able to grow, but the pilot peak fish are averaging a half an inch a month growth, which for wow. a trout is insane. And so it's built this fishery and become world-class I mean, it's so world class. There's people coming from Patagonia, the trout fishing place in the world, to fish Pyramid, which is kind of crazy to me, you know.
0: That speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. So anyway,
1: it's uh, it's just it's it's made such a transformation in my lifetime. You know, the waters all come up. You know, in the last few years, it's just such an exciting place to fish. I mean, I've been there three times in the last I don't know two and a half weeks, and we've caught a seventeen. Two 16 and a half, a 15 and a half, and I think three around 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You don't even, you honestly don't even take a picture unless it's somebody's first day of a 10 pounder anymore.
0: Right. You know? Well, and I noticed that, like, even like with the the pocket limit size fish, was mm-hmm. that 17 uh, to 20, 21, 21 or something like that? You know, if you caught that on the river, mm-hmm. that's a fantastic fish. Oh, that's, huge. A, that's a great fish. Anywhere else? Right. Well, you pull it out. I mean, it's it's a still a nice net at Pyramid, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things. It's not picture worthy. You're just no. like you're like, oh, that's pretty. Next. Yeah. Gone. Next. Like get back you know? in the water. Yeah, and unless it's like unless you're smacking 24, 26 and above, you're just pounds. Kind of like. <laughs> pounds.
3: I haven't hit that range yet, but yeah. but
0: I mean, even the inch range, like you know, pulling a where else can you go well maybe Jurassic but where else could you go and you're like oh yeah I got another I got another 26 inch fish you don't measure them
1: in inches it's not an inch fishery anymore right (laughs) anywhere else you go it's like you know we we filmed at Cascade and we're we're saying you know we it's such a trophy fishery we've got so many fish over 19 inches like that's huge we don't give a shit about inches at Jurassic or Pyramid anymore it's like you go by pounds and that is what like you said speaks volume
0: it does yeah. it does and it, yeah and, it, and i've learned that i need to get a scale because now you have yeah. these competitions where like well hey this one was sturdy and this one was sturdy, but oh, mine was fatter and yeah. it's like i don't really care it's just like you, you catch a nice fish you got a nice fish yeah. I don't care if it's I don't pounds don't. Or 18 pounds you're like dude it's it's still a big fish man yeah, so huge yeah and, know. And and i
2: see those oh i see those pictures miko's pulled the nice one out of there recently but I'll I'll look and I'll think of the old whaling days and I'll think how many candles would that make before electricity? <laughs> <You> <laughs> see all like the blubber hanging over Is the he, hands of yeah. the person in the photo. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I,
0: you know I do have one question on on the pyramid on on the uh, on the pile of peak in your unbiased opinion. So, as you know, you're well versed in the history of pyramid and the Truckee River. So that exquisite date of 1905 uh, when Derby went up when a Lake was cut off that dried out mm-hmm. you know all that water was diverted um, and that that LCT couldn't run anymore it already lost its natural habitat in Tahoe because someone had the wise idea to put lake
1: trout in there mm-hmm. you know um,
0: well, and well, now with the opening, and of it. they dammed
1: it, and there was yeah. a lot of other problems that went into that too, right? Tons. <laughs> tons. Well,
0: I mean, there's was, there's was more than the Derby yeah. Dam. You had the bird-eye Dam. You had all these blockages. But yeah. What What do you think? What's What's your feeling about? I know they did the fish gate at at Derby. What What's your feeling on that fish having the ability to run at, at least a, a good span of that right. river
1: again? I mean, one hundred percent. And there's right. no doubt. I saw yeah. it last year. I actually went and found some reds that they were spawning and you know i you know they they tag i'm sure that anybody that's fished out there a bunch of knows they tag we caught a tag fish every time we've been out this year but the green ones are 100 percent pilot peak fish mm-hmm. um anyway they they keep track of these fish they know what's going on and um i mean there was five years ago i think maybe four years ago they documented 30 pound fish in the river spawning, like going up the river and so a hundred percent it's going to be successful to what degree that is. I don't know yeah. because you know, as you guys know, any, any salmonid, they they find their way back to spawning habitat with their, with scent. Right. Yeah. So if they're spawned in that race, that the tribe milks them, they're more than likely going to go back there. If they successfully go up the river, they're going to start going up the river. But um, according to a biologist friend, it, it's been growing every year. You know, they had, 800 or so. I think the year before last year, they're expecting 1500 or so. And yeah, and they're, they're there. So, I mean, it is going to be successful. I just don't know to what degree and that's
0: going to completely change, you know, the scope of fly fishing on that river too. Oh I, I God, believe because yeah, right now, sure. right now I, I have, I have a, full, <laughs> I have my preference on how I like to fish the river, right. you know, and like with what year right. and, and rightfully so from experience and, and knowing what's in there now. You know, I don't like going in. I don't like going in light. <laughs> I don't like going in trendy. And I'm trying to be polite here. Yeah. I don't like going in light. I don't like going in trendy. Um, and I also respect the fish in the fishery. You know, yeah. so those those other two methods, I'm just not fond of because of you know what what they can do to the fish. And then just long story short, I think it's going to be hilarious when these fish start accumulating numbers and running up and hit. And, and
1: the Euro nymphers yeah. break them off. <laughs>
0: And it, it just you just watch you just watch it just break off at the yeah, handle just yeah. snap you know like these these three weights and three yeah you weights better and be
1: swinging you better be swinging some meat here pretty soon exactly
0: because I mean look look how they fight now uh, you know they have this interesting way of fighting in the still water where you know and, and I've already learned the method you know there's the smaller pocket size they have a grab and, and almost an immediate head shake mm-hmm. you know and they and they, they they fight all over these bigger fish. They're just a little bit more kind of casual. You're, you know, like if you're indicator fishing, that thing goes down really slow. And then if you do, <laughs> you get that Orlando Wilson whip in there to mm-hmm. set that hook on that big mouth. If you don't get a head shake and you just kind of sit still, mm-hmm. you're in for something. Yeah. You know, and that's when they see it or they see your ladder, they see your feet or maybe see your boat or see your net, mm-hmm. then they freight train. Oh, yeah. And they freight train hard, hard. You know, so I can only imagine in a current, you know, even if you just get a 10 pound.
1: Yeah, in a current, you're
0: yeah. done. Yep, it's <laughs> it's nuts.
1: We we fished them, you know, uh, a little bit last year. We found some of them. Yeah, which is just a, it was awesome. It was just a complete, um, you know, exploratory mission. You just mm-hmm. hear that they're going to be up there, should be in there. Where are they at? I don't know. So we <laughs> went and found some. You know, we went, yeah. we found a few and we caught some. Like we caught a couple in that 12, 13 thirteen pound range, not on fly gear. Wow. No, we were fishing like steelhead wow. and it worked, you know, it wasn't a huge success, but I figured two fish in a day was a huge success for me because totally. I didn't, I not know anything, but yeah. So I think, you know, my feeling is a hundred percent Now they're already in the river. They're already going up there. I think it just, it, I think it's just a matter of how many, how successful, how much water, you know, I'm assuming they're going to act like steelhead or salmon. Sure. You know, right now, this year, we got no water. It's like a trickle coming down there. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, you know, we got a couple months, usually April's when they, I think when they start heading up there, uh, maybe, maybe March. Um, but unless we get some, a push of water, maybe they won't push up there in big numbers. You know? Right. If they get a big push of water, then maybe it will trigger them to go up there. I don't know.
0: Right. Well, it's just an exciting ex- expansion yeah. of the fishery yeah, exactly. where it's like, it takes it from it takes it from Pyramid. Now you have that potential of, like, okay, when Pyramid closes, you yeah. have yeah, the potential of maybe grabbing one Yeah, know, on the river. which just pretty,
1: Absolutely. pretty cool. And, and, you know, there's a lot of the, the fly clubs and stuff. Are, you know, they've been planting Fry, mm-hmm. you know, Million Fry or whatever up in Verde and stuff to try to get them trained to go back up there. And I think all of those, um, you know, all the efforts combined are going to lead to something that's going to be pretty spectacular. Totally. Totally.
2: Nice. You know, I, I'm always impressed. We're impressed with your initiative, all the places you go, um, just like this case. You were you interested, you do it. How, how far in advance do you plan your trips? How many trips do you have in your mind right now? Like Help, help us average folk get an idea of life of, of the true traveler. Um, how, do you, how do you manage all of that?
1: You know, it, it's a lot of work, man. It is a lot of work. And, and I, that's a great question. Because a lot of people don't understand the work that goes into what we have to do. Because it's not like just me planning a fishing trip with my buddies. I've got film crew. I've got um, tourism organizations. Um, you know, the lodge has to host it. There's so many things that go in. But right now, just in my booklet that I'm working on, and this is if Canada opens and travel, you know, hoping the vaccine opens up travel So But on a normal year, it would be like, okay, we're heading to the SeaTuck River to film Steelhead in April. Um, if they open up Argentina, there's a good chance I'm going to go Golden Dorado fishing before that, sometime maybe in March. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we've got Alaska in August uh, for probably 10 days. So I'll host a trip there. Um, and anybody out there listening, anyone on a trip with us, we're going to go at the end of August. Um, I host a trip to King Salmon Lodge every year, usually take about, you know, 10 or 12 people and, uh, it's a super cool trip. So I got that going. Um, one other trip in August, I might be doing an exploratory lake trout and lake char deal with my buddy. Um, that's, that's in the works. Exploratory. Yeah. Exploratory. Nice. So it's, uh, Long story, uh, try to make it short, but they, he's on Lake Ileana. Nobody fishes it out of a boat. There's huge lake trout. There's huge char. There's huge rainbows. He's got beautiful boats there, and I have huge – that's my – I would say my number one, like, bread and butter is boat fishing for big trout. <clears throat> anyway, we might go do that. Try to open up a different fishery for Pike. Pike. Um, mm. BC. We're working on BC in June. So, uh, ocean, uh, salmon, bottom fish stuff. And that's always a fun trip because it's grocery shopping. You come home with a couple hundred pounds of fish, you know, right. which is awesome. And, uh, just a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. And then, we, <laughs> and then Lakers Unlimited. If they open up Canada, we'll be going to Lakers and maybe the Yukon. So those are all the ones that are on my list. And it's just a matter of funding and sponsorship of, you know, like companies' gear. Like what gears – oh, we've got this new – Um, Say Okuma comes up with – they've got this certain rod, real – whatever, baits. We need some walleye. Okay, well, I wasn't planning on walleye, but I've got a spot in Saskatchewan I drive to 26 hours. I'll pull my boat, and, uh, you know, we'll go walleye pipe fishing or or whatever, you know. So that's kind of how, like loosely, how the year works for me, and and stuff is always changing and filling in and getting phone calls and, you know.
2: Wow. (laughs) So, how, how much flex do you have? I know you've got a crew. You've got set agendas. I mean, you've been able to pull up, I'd imagine, on some pretty amazing burrito places did, around the world. You've got some
1: <laughs> sick burrito places,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, tell us more. I mean, what's yeah. – what's okay, what's
1: – No, I know this is about burrito. This is about the food. And the, yeah, uh, well,
0: it's it's more about – it's more about – it's about the journey and the experience, right. and I want you to be as graphic as possible. Best burrito ever in the world.
1: <clears throat> all right, now this <clears> one, <throat> this is gonna blow your mind. Now, as you know, I've traveled all over the world, mm-hmm. and by far the best. Breakfast burrito, I'm going to go with. Are we going to do categories? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, no, I'm just going to like breakfast I'm, and, like... and then lunch dinner. Now, I don't know if I'll go lunch dinner. I'm just going to tell you the best burrito, okay. but it's a breakfast burrito. Okay. Oravada. Shell gas station. <laughs> chorizo burrito. Homemade chorizo. I'm not kidding you. On the way to between Nevada and Boise, say. Uh, you know, this locals will probably know, but Oravada. It's on the border of Oregon and Nevada. Okay. There's a shell gas station on your left. It's about the only thing left in Orvada. I, I hunt up there a lot, and we fish the river up there quite a bit. I make sure that I leave my house at a time that I can get a damn breakfast burrito on my way through there. It's that good. So what time would you normally have to leave? That is great. To 4.30 to 5.30 in the morning. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a four-hour trip. You get to Orvada about – Orvada is about two and a half. <laughs> got a dial, it's baby. I'm talking homemade chorizo, <laughs> piles of cheese. Oh,
3: okay. Potatoes,
1: you know, good sour cream. I mean, hand rolled. It's it's just it's just the deal. So
0: so talk about that chorizo a little bit more. Yeah. Like it give me I mean like the eggs, cheese. Yeah, that's all standard, right? But we get that, You know, we're in basque, basque Country.
1: We're in Basque Country. So it's Bass
0: Chorizo. Yeah,
1: Bass homemade okay. Basque chorizo. And for you guys out that there listening they don't know the Basque culture, the Basque country. Um, The Basque culture comes from the Pyrenees mountains between Spain and France. And we have a lot of Basque influence over here with sheep herders. They came over a lot of sheep herders and stuff. And, and they, you know, they have a chorizo that they make the Basque chorizo. And all my Basque friends out there would, would swear by their own homemade recipe or whatever, but (laughs) it is next level chorizo, the the Spanish, the, the Basque side of it. And, and they incorporated that into their burritos and it's, it's epic. Might have to take an exploratory mission mm-hmm. to Arvada. Yeah. I think they need some loop gear.
0: They loop might. Loop rods the gas station. Loop rods. Well, I'll double <laughs> yeah. down. I'll double yeah. down. I'll double down with, with, with the guiding side and the yeah. rods and then the meat side. In yeah. the meat side. <laughs> on the meat side of our business, like we, we do, yeah, we actually, have, was, we do a bass tree. So that's. Really? That's killer. That's. Oh, you sold. Killer. <laughs> killer. Like. But there's always something bigger and better out there. Yeah. You know, it, right? and, and you know, when it comes to that type of stuff, you're always learning something. But I'm still I'm still a little caught off guard that it's Orvata. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know Orvada. That's a, wow. the the shining jewel of breakfast
2: burrito. Wow. <laughs> How's the tortilla quality? Can you see your reflection? Oh. Is it flaky? How would you describe that? The what?
0: Sorry. Oh, please
2: explain Tortilla. Please give them the Jurassic the scale,
0: please. Give him the Jurassic scale, Ben, please.
2: So a Jurassic scale is the scene of Jurassic Park where the T-Rex is out and they're watching their water cup and all of a sudden they see the little water ripplets every time there's a step which increases. And we compare that to the, the level of oil or grease in the tortilla, So how, how would you describe on a Jurassic scale. I would say. Tortilla. <laughs> well, that, so they're flour tortillas, so
1: they're not too greasy. But I'd say mid, mid-range. I'd say mid-range Jurassic scale. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to use that one. I like
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. But it's almost, it's got a little transparency to it. Yeah. You know, but like there, there's some local burritos you can get. I found one in Carson City last week that you can almost see through it. You can almost see the carnitas through the shell. Like the wow. lard level was that high. and I, I like lard level. It's yeah. good to have large level, and you know what's <laughs> happening. Like, when you're getting into it, yeah. everything's wrong. Yeah. Like, you're just going into it, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to pay so, for this. Dude, this but is, you're just like, uh, oh, you know, you get the grease on your face, and it just doesn't come colonoscopy off. Colonoscopy later. Right, yeah. right, right. Or the uh, Ben made a great point. Ben, I talked to you about this last week, and you made the mention of candles with the grease coming off. <laughs> Could you give a little bit more insight on that? Remember? on the wax paper that you wrap the burrito with and then?
2: Yes. uh, Basically, when the burrito is a certain level of moisture, (laughs) the wax paper that they use will just melt in with the tortilla. Normally, you would just say, oh, dang, you know, I can't eat that side. But depending on the quality of the ingredients, We just call it. What do What do we call it? I can't remember. the burrito
0: burrito candle.
2: (laughs) The burrito candle. candle. That's what we called it. It wasn't a burrito candle. (laughs) Um,
0: Like the wax. The wax paper is supposed to protect. Like it's supposed to like, like you know. Allow the grease to like not penetrate the paper or whatever, right. but it's 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 so hot it just melts the wax. <laughs> and it just just folds into the tortilla. You're just like what
2: oh, whatever. I'm whatever, gonna whatever, eat
0: it. Anyway. Whatever. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Were, it's worthy. It says something to the <laughs> you know,
0: Kind of rolls back to the whale blubber thing. You were yeah. Talking exactly. About, That's
2: you what know. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I wick,
0: don't know. The yeah. You can put a wick in the burrito and light it. it like a candle. You're good.
1: Squeeze it out and yeah. make a new candle out of <laughs> right. it.
0: Right. Exactly.
3: So, great.
0: so with, with, since we're on the dining aspect, we talked about the best burrito in the world being in Orvata. <laughs> so next level, your best overall dining experience or one of your favorite dining experiences overseas. And I know you mentioned you had some ones and some unique places. So maybe you can dive into one or two, whatever your favorite one is. Or yeah. your favorites are. Oh,
1: a, I guess it's two parts. So one of my favorite stories is we're in the middle of the, the Columbia jungle pie are efficient and we take off one morning we've got a little pastry and a coffee you know, in us and we're, we're in the boat at sunrise and we're going up you know this little river we're cruising up the river cruising up the river and all of a sudden the guys pull over on the side of the on the bank and we're like what are we doing and my drew my co-host kind of looks out he goes oh there's a cafe up there we're going to get breakfast Well, he was right it wasn't a cafe it was just a house this this hut on the side of the bank you know and his family was there and they're gonna feed us breakfast but we roll up there and you know it's 80 degrees or so in the morning and mm. sunrise and they bring us soup and like "Hmm, soup for breakfast and
3: mm-hmm.
1: in the soup is a catfish head the catfish head is rolling around with the rest of the catfish body and some potatoes that was like oh my god what? you know you gotta eat it you can't be rude mm-hmm. so was that a it,
0: sign was that a sign of the times to come after eating the catfish soup <laughs> without being so graphic like you're like you know i'm gonna have a bad day i'm gonna have a bad day no it
1: wasn't bad we uh it actually wasn't terrible just the hot soup hot day catfish head you know but it actually was one of the best days of fishing i ever had you know catching those big vampire fish on top water so wow maybe catfish soup is good luck i don't know maybe it is (laughs) but uh one of my all-time best dining experiences and this is uh this is typical of um Estancia Laguna Verde, but mm-hmm. they have uh Jurassic Lake, you know, they have the Jurassic Lake fishery. I like you're going here. Yeah. 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 And so Estancia also opened up the golden Dorado river cruiser. And so you fly into Buenos Aires or wherever it's at, and you go out and meet them and you stay on the river. So it's on the Paraná river. It's the second largest river in South America. Okay. And you're on this giant, this big houseboat and you tow your boats up the river and you chase, um, Wolf fish and Golden Dorado, and you know, a handful of other things. But on this boat, there's a kitchen about the size of this my office right here, you know, what right. eight by 10. That's his kitchen. And a guy named Lucas is still cooking there or chef. He is unbelievable with that amount of space, like RV setup. The most amazing meals I've ever had in my life, really? ever of anywhere. And you know, he, I've been to a lot of really good five star lodges and stuff and this guy lucas he's been all over the world you know being a chef and he's on this boat and he delivers the most perfect like delicious and they pair you know estancia is good they they pair everything with wines and do the, you know they're malbecs down there which i like malbec so thought, anyway that was number one in my book i mean just the most perfect delicious meals you've ever had wow middle of nowhere wow Could you
0: describe one of those meals? Can you give a recollection? Like, just give us a flavor. Give us a taste. Yeah, yeah. So
1: one of the meals, like, he would bring out three appetizers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, like, blood sausages and stuff that are kind of, uh, you know, a cultural favorite, I guess, down there. Sure. And and they were delicious. Um, And then this is the most interesting meal, I would say, um, that we had there. We actually caught wolf fish. And wolf fish live in the mud and they eat frogs. Mm-hmm. They live in the like tooth water and they they eat frogs. And so we would pull up there and we're throwing, you know, either big flies or yeah. big rubber toads on conventional gear up in the mud and they eat it like a largemouth right off the top. <clears throat> but when they eat the when they eat it, you got you have to count to three. And it was a big joke so we'd have to count to three in Spanish because if you set the hook too soon, you'd lose them. So they'd uh, eat it off the top, and oh no, those trace, and the guy'd set the hook, and everybody laugh, and you know they're, <clears throat> you know two, three, to, you know five pounds, you know. Well, we kept some, and they're all white meat, okay. and they've been eating frogs. It tastes like frog legs, you know, or whatever, you know. They just they're good. So he made up wolf fish one night. You know, it was a white, moist, like flaky meat. Oh my god, just next level. But his desserts these desserts were like every, it was all presentation. And <clears throat> I mean, just, just next level. I mean, I don't just the, the flavors and the way he tied everything in, it was just mm-hmm. so good. And what was so amazing about it is that he had such a small workspace yeah. to do all this magic, you know? <laughs> well, you know, that
0: whole food part completely escalates your experience, you know, because yeah. you need, as Ben and I say, it's like you have to have that fuel to keep on going, you know, yeah. you, you know what a day yeah, is yeah. like you get on the water and if you skip like if you don't have that that good breakfast or you're not at least giving yourself a little something halfway in between you know your experience starts to degrade Mm -hmm. whether it's local or if you're overseas it doesn't matter you know it just affects your mentality and you know and you know I've done it before where it's just like I know I got a sandwich sitting in the car and I'm like I'm, I'm like I can't stop fishing I'm like no I gotta stop you go and eat, you know, and then you're, you're completely recharged and you hit the water you and can just like focus. refocused and it's yeah. like almost like, you know, it's, it's your second wind. It's your second part of, you know, the day or the third part or whatever it is.
1: And that's you know, that's so. something that I've had to, um, like, step back, I guess, and, and start doing more often because I'm the same way, especially when we're filming. Um, just locked in. Just know? locked in. Like, I'm there to do a job, but I'm also a crazy fisherman. And I... I'm not going to stop for anything. You know, I'll eat a little bar and just keep fishing. And I remember the first time I've been to Jurassic Lake three times. The first time I went there, the guys are like, come on, we got to go eat lunch. I'm like, no, yeah, I mean, you guys go eat lunch. I, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to stop anybody from eating lunch, but I'm, I'm going to keep fishing. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Like we're driving over here to have a real lunch. And if you don't go, we can't go like, we can't leave you here by yourself. So I'm like, God damn it. all right, whatever but let's make it fast. So we go back and they make up this lunch, you know, it's like paella, you know, and it's like an hour long lunch. You got yep. wine and cheeses. And I actually just put out a really funny video from my wife and i being there on my YouTube channel. Oh, and uh, she goes into this whole, you know, this, this whole thing about, you know, when Dennis takes me fishing, he usually doesn't like to feed me. I got like a piece of stale bread, maybe some peanut butter on there, and, <laughs> you know, and that's what we're going to eat for lunch. And then we go and Martine whips up this, this, Five star meal out in the middle of nowhere. That was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I'm like, the
0: the level of how they fed you is quite exceptional, and that had to be something special.
1: It is, and that's you know that just like you said, and I finally realized that that that's part of the experience, especially when I'm there with my wife. Right, like it doesn't have to be that crazy, but it actually makes your next half a day of fishing better. Mm -hmm. You're focused, you're fueled, you're warm. Um, you know, you're ready to go again. You might have a little malbeck in you too. I mean, that always helps, <laughs> and uh, you know, it really does. It really does make a difference, and it adds to the experience. And I've learned, I've been filming shows for 12 years now, and I've learned that just not stress it as much. You know, step back, enjoy those times when you're there, because you're, you never know if you're ever gonna even get back there. True. You no. Know? So True.
2: Take yeah. it all in. That's great advice for for fishing in general right it is
1: it really is like i can't tell you uh how much that's changed in the last 12 years for me like you know trying to really take a step back um hunting and fishing just take a minute we we actually call it we have a name for it um in alberta we started doing it when we were waterfowl hunting and we call it the alberta take a moment you actually stop sit on the tailgate pop open a beer watch the sunset Give yourself twenty, thirty minutes. Just take a moment, and and take it in because, and that's the shit you remember, you know. <laughs> it is. Ben's a
0: king at that. Ben, yeah. Ben, we could have we could have a crappy day on the water, wherever it's at, and I'll I'll start getting a little pessimistic, and Ben's a complete optimist where yeah. he'll just be like, you know, it's just so beautiful out here, wow. you know, and just start pointing things out, and you're like, you know, you're right totally like who cares like yeah. am i really going to remember this day for not catching it uh, no i'm going to remember it for the time that i went there or the time i spent with them you
1: know, the time or that, or that ben that. told you that it was so beautiful when you were right. uh, you you're like oh yeah, it is. yeah uh, you know? it is you
2: know uh it's funny because i think with surfing you're forced to take a moment you know you'll sit there the sun's setting you're you're watching you know a red sky but the way the waves come in they come in in sets so there's time between sets so you have forced downtime or you know you're navigating or jockeying for position but basically though there's a lot of time where you just are sitting on your board in the water taking it in and you know i think that's what's so beautiful about you know fishing is you're in the middle of nature, you're taking it in, you know, you're taking a pause from life and completely recharging and reconnecting. And I know uh Nico says I'm good at it, but you know, he's he's awesome. He he will be prepared. We will be walking at about, I don't know, practically in a in a run. Yes. But once we're there. You know we're at those spots, and it's beautiful. That's 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 what I love about it. Yeah, and that's also what I love about your show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we try to show off on the show too. Is the, you know, the the other parts of that.
0: So I think I think Ben's got a surfing question for you, specifically for pyramid. Yes, he's been doing some exploratory thinking on pyramid.
2: Yeah, I I watch SAP. You know, when I'm in Southern California, I look at an app called Surfline, which is swell. But when I'm home in Nevada, I look at an app called Wind Tracker and we'll see what's going on with the storms coming in at Lake Tahoe. Is, Is Lake Tahoe gonna break, you know? Is it gonna be Sand Harbor or Burnt Cedar, you know? There's a little crew who kind of keeps tabs on that. But I always see the big, body of water in Pyramid, and I see the wind direction, and I just think to myself, there has got to be surfable waves on Pyramid during some of those, we... I mean, Nico and I have heard stories where people have been blown off their ladders with the sudden gust. Yeah, That's ha- happened to me. We've been nearly blown off, so yeah. Ha- so ha- have you seen any uh, waves out there? Uh, anybody surfing? Any of the Native Americans? Just uh, wondering about it. I have
1: never seen anybody surfing out there, and typically I'm never there when the wind's blowing that hard because I'm mostly a boat guy. Mm-hmm. So if the wind's gonna blow even a little bit, I don't go. Right. That but that being said, I have fished it a few times off my ladder when it was blowing so freaking hard it almost you know it almost blew off the ladder. And there's been some big waves. And the thing about Pyramid that's different than Tahoe is that it gets to those rollers, those overnight rollers that happen. Like if you show up right now, like seven o'clock in the morning, not a breath of wind, it'll be rough in the morning, especially this time of year, because I, I think it's because there's so much geothermal activity in that lake. Nah. It's mixing with the cold water all the time. And overnight it, it produces these giant waves. So you get a wind on top of that and you're at the, You know, if you get a north wind and you're at the south end of the lake, it could be epic, I would imagine, especially early. Might be something we need to look at.
0: (laughs) It'd be crazy. I mean, that'd be groundbreaking. It would be. You know, everyone does the Tahoe thing, but you're like, I'm doing the pyramid thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah they don't sell a surfing permit i was just there. gonna say like,
0: what's the <laughs> permit for that you're like i think you might be able to get away that for free until they say something because there is no there is no surfing permit so you're you need like a
2: swimming swimming permit, a swimming permit. well p- pretty soon it'll be like you know the new zealand movie whale rider you'll just try to ride those things you catch you might be forced they might be pulling you out to sea eventually. They're like getting that. so big out That's there.
1: What, yeah, maybe by next year, <laughs> you can have your surfboard ready, hook a 30-pounder, and then just go. Just let them pull you out yeah. there. Right. <laughs> right. That's a good – I like that.
0: Right, yeah, because you're thinking about, like, you know, how would it be on a stand-up out there, Yeah. you
1: know? I think that would be – stand-up paddleboard would be rad, like, if the weather was nice. If it was
0: nice. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but even, like, a, you know, a 12-, 16-pound fish is going to – it's gonna it's gonna motorboat you
3: mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah
2: well, that's all right. <laughs> um, so yeah so um where what are you most excited about coming up you mentioned some of those trips you got um, ah. what should we stay tuned for on your show
1: oh man um Let's see. You know what? The one thing I'm really excited about is the steelhead fishing on the Sea Tuck coming up in April. Mm. That's what I'd be looking out for coming up, uh, you know, this end of the, you know, October we'll be releasing those to to the TV show. Um, You know, and there'll be some YouTube stuff coming up on it. But, yeah, the Sea Tuck is such a special place, man. The steelhead. um, And and I'm not much of a steelheader. Um, The Last time I fished there was really my first time of really steelhead fishing, and we did it DIY. You know, I didn't want a guide. I just did a DIY. Oh boy! And we were that catching, you know, ten to fifteen steelhead a day. Oh, you're crashing. it! Oh yeah, but it's not me. It's it's just that fishery is just wow. so good. Um, it's not that I'm anything like you know anything good. It's just that it, the fishery is that good. The guy wow. some of my buddies. There was a buddy of mine that was there that is good at steelhead fishing, and him and his dad they caught fifty the day before us. And
0: most people still like fishing. They're like, I got one.
1: I got one. Oh, it was successful. One. Yeah, this place is next level. Um, it's a 14 mile drift every day. You know, it's Fourteen. pretty. Yeah, it's pretty easy water to navigate. But yeah, DIY and I love that. Right, like I have great friends that are guides and good buddies that we go with and you know or guided or whatever. But personal favorite, I like DIY stuff, especially filming just seems it's just more real raw people get good information that way and the sea tuck is just you know it's going to be cold and nasty and miserable but you know we're going to have some 20 pound steelhead
0: wow <laughs> that's incredible you know
2: um i just wanted to say what, one of the things i love about uh, nico is he's always kind of knows the background information on where he's going and what's happening behind the scenes and in your show, I, we kind of talked about that earlier. I love how you cut away and you'll go to the history or you'll, you know, when you were in Pyramid, you'll go into the museum. Um, how do you get your pulse on the background stories and, uh Things like that. You know, a,
1: a couple different ways. We either know the area already, um, we kind of know what we want to talk about when we get there, um, you know, through the lodges or the people that are friends of ours that are there um you know pyramid we obviously i know the history from growing up here so it's kind of fun to come at it from that angle um sometimes when we're there uh like one of my trips to british columbia you know we get there my buddy, my buddy bought a lodge there we get there and he's like dude you gotta see these totem poles. they're you know 200 year old totem poles on this island and they're really cool and so some stuff like that we're like oh we we definitely have to go show that off yeah you know show that to you know we don't I don't spend a lot of time. In fact, some of the times my production comp- company forces me to do this do that stuff because typically <laughs> I would never do it. <laughs> I'm going to fish every minute of every day that I can, but for the TV show it really is nice to tie in some history and some culture and some background and specifically Jurassic Lake. The second time I was there, my production guys made me go to the glacier there's a glacier uh, in, in El Calafate, the Puerto Moreno Glacier, and it's mo- it's always falling away and moving. And I'm like, I-, I hate you bastards! I'm gonna miss a day of fishing in Jurassic to go see a freaking glacier. Like this is right. stupid. It was actually really cool and made a really awesome part of the show. So I was
0: gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say. you are you are energetic. I watched I watched a, a, a clip of your um, of your Alaska adventure. And you made a mention of like, I see you hop and you had those blue NRS rafts and you hop in and you're just like, I'm ready to go. And you just start whipping out there. I've been out here for five hours. And then the next scene is like, you're cutting down the river and you're talking about um, the bear wildlife, yeah. about the grizzlies out there. And, and there's like, a, there's a grizzly down the river and you're just like standing up rowing, like cool grizzly, like get out of the way. Yeah. Like, you're just like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to fish, like cool. <laughs> move it you know like yeah so i i, I understand and i appreciate that energy Because like hey you're there you're in the moment like dude i'm here to, i'm here to fish yeah. like that's that's my mission that's why i'm here you know that I, I get it you know if i came to look at the bears well i'd be looking at the bears right you know but you probably viewed those bears as competition because hey, they're fishing too I'm like, yeah. dude, that's my fish that's and, like, and oh, they okay, win not,
1: usually but right right <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that trip this year was, was something special too. You know, we, we were, we were part of the crew filming You know, most of the time we show up and we're part of the guest to Mm -hmm. some degree. We do our own thing, you know, but, but we were part of the crew on that one. We got dropped off. We waited for five hours. And then Abe, our photographer, um, he was leading them. You know, he'd been there for 10, 12 days already guiding. He comes back, you know, he's, he just did the, you know the, the turnaround gets back with some stuff, and we got to row about four or five hours down to the first camp. Not fishing, we're taking gear and boats, and that's what we did. You know, we row out of there. We're dragging those big rafts over gravel bars, pushing them. It was nuts, you know. And then we get, you know, and we are we're bumping big grizzlies out of the way. You know, come on, we got to get through here. And yeah, that was a pretty special trip. We actually had them, you know, we had them in camp. You know, we had a bear fence up, but you know, we were gone fishing and a little cub ripped my producer's tent open with his no claws, gosh. you know, playing with it. And yeah, it was that was a pretty spectacular trip. I and mean, we were in bears and, and big rainbows for five days straight. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome.
0: And speaking, you made mention of that you're gonna have a hosted trip to Alaska. Yeah. If anybody's you may mention if you had anybody interested in yeah. that want to do it, how would they reach out to you to
1: just you can find me in Dennis Isbister? Um, you know, Wildfish Wild Places, any of that stuff. I got contact info all over the place. Perfect. So just reach out to me and you know send me an email. My phone number is even on the website, I think, on the Wildfish Wild Place website. You can give me a holler. I'm on social media too, uh, Wildfish Wild Places or Dennis Isbister um yeah just find me reach out we got a pretty cool deal going and that's a fun trip too because um i take a step back from filming and host it and actually fish with my the, the group uh a day at least you know and sometimes too and uh, i'll host a flyout. so we'll get in and I, I know the places that i love to fish up there for flyouts, and we'll go char fishing and rainbow fishing we'll take the side by side uh, we'll go up on the tundra to a spot that just, if the water's right, the, the Arctic char fishing, you know, is just epic. And uh, one of the places we will we'll fly out two beaver loads to the silver fishery and take a barbecue and some, you know, some whiskey and some cigars. And we'll sit, you know, we'll rip silvers one after the other. We'll knock them on the head, have a big silver salmon barbecue with some whiskey and some cigars and wow. uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a fun trip that's definitely as fresh as it can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, they, and you know, King salmon lodge is such a cool place that way. It's uh, we have such a good relationship. I've been there for so many years that they let me do what I want. You know, they nice. just like, what do you want to do? You know, okay, let's just do this and yeah, get to go have fun. Nice. <laughs> that is
0: awesome. That is awesome. Well, Hey man, we want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. It has been awesome. I think, I think there's so much more to talk about and I think we'll, Definitely want to catch up with you down the road. And it, before we go, I know you you have a podcast. Yeah, what you tell us
1: about that? Real yeah, quick some of those funny on that. some of those funny stories. So um, we I have a podcast, Wild Fish Wild Places. Behind the scenes is what it's called. And, and uh, the podcast actually kind of came up for some of these funny stories, like I told today, a yeah. couple of them um, that nobody get really gets to hear. We don't put them on the TV show because they're that crazy, and we don't talk. About them. Unless we're doing stuff like this, and and in my intro, it's like the the stories that come out when we're drinking whiskey, sitting around a campfire. It's like uh. Buenos Aires in a cab. The cabbie actually gets in a fight with another driver in the freeway, in the middle of the freeway. And gets out and tries to stab a guy in the on the freeway. Buenos <laughs> Aires. I mean. <laughs> crazy stories so yeah if you want to listen to some of those stories then we just talk fishing too. like some of the podcasts like it's like this like talk with some people about just what's happening right now and right fun stuff you know just just this kind of stuff so
0: yeah awesome awesome well cool yeah Great. so Dennis thanks for joining us Ben you have anything
2: I just say my thank you so much. Um, we we were so excited to talk to you, and you certainly did not disappoint. Uh, <laughs> thanks, I loved it. I loved it. I thank loved
1: you it. Very much. <laughs> yeah, it. was super fun, man. I, as you know, we love talking fishing and everything fishing. So.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well,
1: thanks again, Dennis, for yep.
0: joining us. And uh, until the next time, uh, tight lines.